Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here at Tale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment. Financing needs go currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And on assignment this morning, being a good, proud papa, is Mark Cranach. He has got, uh, I think it's volleyball camp this morning for his little girl. So Cranach will be back with us next week. We're excited to spend this morning with you till 9. Numbers to get in here on Hale Varsity Radio, 46637. Seven six four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Can watch the show. Get caught up this morning as uh, we dive in to uh, all things uh, Nebraska here. Busy slate for Husker basketball this morning at eleven o'clock against Minnesota. Plenty to recap with both the Nebraska's coordinators yesterday as it was a later Friday press conference for Coach Satterfield, uh, the Nebraska's new offensive coordinator that we've seen in action this year. We've heard some of the cat calls, so to speak, if you've been paying attention to South Carolina football, and then you've had a, a 180 on that with uh, how strongly South Carolina finished, arguably the two best wins in college football in back-to-back weeks, and almost the trifecta with Notre Dame uh, v. South Carolina in the bowl game. But Coach Satterfield uh, spoke to the media yesterday. Also, Coach Tony White, Nebraska's new defensive coordinator, uh, will have some of their thoughts here coming up. We'll rewind with uh, former Colorado Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett, Barney will check in. He weighs in on a myriad of topics and some of the college football world with uh, the championship game that is Monday TCU as they look to dethrone Georgia. In hour two, Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. He'll join us uh, at 8.06. And then the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, with us. Uh, you can email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. And Elijah, we're, uh, we're up and fired up this morning can watch the show and chime in on StreamYard with Hale Varsity's YouTube channel to watch the show and Hale Varsity Twitter at HVarsity Radio is where you follow that. That's also where you watch and can hear Coffee and Cream with uh, Damon Benning and Andrew Rogers weekdays here on ESPN Lincoln, 7 9 a.m. ESPN Lincoln Twitter, ESPN Lincoln Facebook. That's all the ways to access us. Were you able to, to get to bed Last night, I was going to say, 
Well, that, that, Decent time. that Southeast Southwest game last night was like a double shot of espresso. What a oh. phenomenal basketball <laughs> game. We had the pleasure of, I, I got to listen to you. You got to go and see it and call it. What a phenomenal basketball game that was last night. Just like energized all night after a game like that because for people like you and me, we, we love high school basketball. Mm-hmm. A game like that is just perfection. Southwest down big. They come back at a big win on the home floor against the rival team. Students rush the floor. What a game it was. It, it, you know, it was so much fun to be a part of. It was a, a situation in a scene, and you've maybe experienced it maybe last night or not too long ago where you're in a high school gym. Maybe it's a small town. Maybe it's down the street, or maybe it's in the metro, or just maybe it's that buzz you feel uh, state tournament time, right, in March at PBA, but where – the uh, the PA person gets on the mic and says, can everybody please scoot together? We have a line of people. That sounds like Dr. Evil, forgive <laughs> me. But uh, we have, a, we have uh, a line of people still trying to stream in for tip-off. And, I mean, it was at capacity at Southwest. The nest was standing room. Some great video from, I heard that's Mike Sauter. He was on the floor. Uh, for it and caught up with Coach Baugh. Great effort by both teams. I mean, Southeast has been so much fun to watch this year. Just to give us a couple of minutes before we get into Husker football on high school basketball, uh, Southeast has had some really good moments this year, and they had really good moments last night where they built uh, an impressive 16-point lead on the road. And to counter that, you had some phenomenal teamwork and playmaking by Southwest to crawl back in this, turn up their defense. Uh, you had Coach Baugh switch to a 1-3-1 zone that would have made Hakeem Warwick and Jim Beheim smile, uh, right? That, uh, that, that zone, Chuck Love was really good in that defense, that, that top spot in a 1-3-1. Uh, junior goes to Southwest and, and has known a lot of these kids that are, are real big-time playmakers even as sophomores right uh one of those is Braden Frager who went for uh, 28 points last night and he's an incredible talent uh you also well, I mean, at one point in that Ryland game- Smith at, at point guard that was fantastic and then uh Lucas Helms really put on the Superman cape defensively to end it uh, last night, making a great play. And, and Southeast had awesome guard play as well last night. It was just a great ball game, 78-76. And I was kind of praying for overtime. I mean, I wanted more. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to be greedy and say I wanted more. I wanted free basketball, but uh, no. But, but, uh, but Schmitty, what we got was we had a good prob- time. probably the game of the year thus far and it might be the, the, the game of the year by the time we get to the end of the year. Just phenomenal stuff. At one point in that game, you mentioned Braden Frager, his 28 points. At one point in that game, he was the only person on Southwest keeping them in that game. Goes in a personal 9-0 run to cut the lead from 14 down to 5, and then Southeast extends it back out yet again. But who's making plays down the stretch is Braden Frager. That, he was phenomenal, and if Southwest didn't have Frager last night, they could have lost that game by 20-25. But he sure. keeps him in that game, kind of sparks a run that gets him back into it in the second half. And, man, full credit to Southwest. That was just one of those games where I was glad I was able to sit in the studio and listen to that one because – Second, second from being there, listening to it on the radio is a great experience. And Schmidt, you did a great job last night, and I was on the edge of my seat in the studio. One of those ones where it, it's a late night, not even mine, because that game. He's so paid, great. folks. He <laughs> is paid to to be kind. Jeff Smith has been uh, my color analyst 
and he's been a Hall of Famer for a, a long, long time. He is the best as, as it gets uh, when it comes to his work and just breaking things down and what he sees with his uh, great basketball eyes. So if, if you want to check that game out, maybe you saw the highlights or you have a family member, and that's what's so special about high school basketball, high school football, is uh, the, the the coverage that's been on KFOR and ESPN Lincoln for forever. Uh, those games are podcasted, and Motsi does an am- amazing job. Will Wilson, too. Uh, you can get those on either ESPN Lincoln or KFORnow.com. That's where the, the games are, are posted, and uh, also on, on each Twitter handle. Uh, you can, can go check those out. But that was – it was just – awesome last night to, to be a part of that experience and I think Lincoln's got uh, a really bright uh, 2023 when it comes to their chances to have uh, impact in the state tournament you, you'll have Lincoln teams get to state but you may have Lincoln teams make some noise in state uh, Bell West is kind of off to the side in their own world they're that good. They're nationally ranked. But um, it's just a fun year for, for basketball. Could be a fun year for, for Nebraska football. Elijah, we've kind of scratched our head and racked our brain a bit with expectations. I know when we got back from the New Year break, we were trying to figure out what's what's a fair expectation, what's reality versus fantasy. And... You look at the cupboard, and and that's really hard to tell with today's day and age of college football. You have to re-recruit your team uh, every few weeks, it feels like, and it seems like. And and then you can add to your team just as easily as you can lose your team. Nebraska's had quite a bit of activity with the portal. Uh, When you look at Scott from Arizona State, right, a a Hawaiian kid that – has had plenty of experience. He's presumably going to be an anchor for you at center as uh, Trent Hickson's moving on from an eligibility standpoint. Uh, you have some in-house options as well if you're Nebraska football. Uh, and then you, you have a couple of guys that are here, and, and you're also fighting for uh, a couple of guys. But uh, the Baylor guard, Mazuka, uh, is somebody that, has a ton of football experience. Uh, he's a guy that's from the Philly area. I mean, it, it, there's too much math to do here. It adds up to Nebraska. I'd be surprised if they don't get him, although Oklahoma's in, in a in a rush for him as well. But you did. Walter, it, it, Walter, Walter Rouse, mm-hmm. also from Stanford, that I think, man, uh, between Riola and Rule and these other eyes, Foley, uh, of course, Satterfield, who we'll hear from in, in his relationship with Raiola. There, there's a lot of molding, a lot of hands to mold this offensive line here with this first-year staff with Coach Rule. Well, and I think it's it's fair to say that that offensive line, what happens with it this offseason is probably the most important thing we could talk yes. about this offseason. Just with, with the, the poor play last season, to put it bluntly, and with a new coaching staff coming in that's emphasizing running the ball in lines of scrimmage play, what happens along that offensive line this offseason is, is more important than any other storyline, more important than backup quarterback or starting quarterback battle, kicker battle, 
whatever. Look across the whole field. There's nothing more important than offensive line. And I said that a couple times last offseason. I still might have undersold it last year whenever we saw what the offensive line looked like once the season finally got underway and how much it affected the team. And that's one thing about the offensive line is whenever they're doing their job, you don't notice them. Whenever they're not doing your job, you notice the hell out of them. That's the thing mm-hmm. with the offensive line. So it's going to be results driven. What does it look like in the fall? I don't think we're going to have a good idea of what the offensive line actually looks like in the spring. They're going to be playing around with some pieces, and I don't even think that you're either going to have A, your full complement of guys, or B, you're going to have guys that are going to enter the transfer portal following spring ball. So uh, I'm going to be taking spring ball with a grain of salt, as you know, you kind of always do, despite mm-hmm. the fact I'm still going to be tuning in on that Saturday and watching and making lofty assumptions that I probably shouldn't be making following the spring game. I'm going to try to keep myself in check right now and say take the spring game with a grain of salt. But nothing that is going down in this Husker football program this offseason is as important as what happens along the offensive line. Uh, And that's, you know, kind of counting the coaching change out of things. That's obviously really important. But aside from that, it's offensive line play. And you mentioned Mazuka. If you're into reading the tea leaves, we had Omar Hales on Thursday night tweet his classic gif of the fireworks going off in North (laughs) Stadium, which is his, his... his way of saying there's another commit in the boat, and I think Mazuka is the one a lot of people assumed it was, considering he visited a couple days earlier than the other guys. Sounds like he was here in Lincoln on Thursday. So you kind of do some math there with his ties to Matt Rule, with his ties to Philly. You go. Got Auburn still in the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oklahoma as well, but there, there's too much familiarity with uh, when you when you kind of go back to to the Philly connection. And and I think to your point about offensive line and the attention paid to it, and and we, you love talking it because you played it at a high level, uh, and, and we love really diving into it. The this the, the the need, and it was taken for granted for so long because it was so great. I mean, it, it was it was the best in college football, and it was just reloaded. And even if it was air quote down, it wasn't down for long. You'd have a a bounce back here if there was a year where you had to go with some young guys. So I think what can give you the most confidence as to why it can be better next year for Nebraska football is because of of the the attention that's going to be paid to the unit that has to be the engine, Mm -hmm. and that is the offensive line. You're going to have a blunt assessment by professionals – on what you truly do have on the offensive line. That's portal additions, that's holdovers, that's some young pups. And what, what you don't necessarily have next year that's different than in past years is that rush. You, you, you've had moments in the past five to seven years where you have played a freshman or a redshirt freshman. And... It's not just a spot start, uh, here we go, uh, where – think about Corcoran, right? Think about his his first rodeo. And he did really well, right tackle at Rutgers. That was back in COVID 2020. But, but think about uh, how young – and they played a lot of football right now, and they need to be better, and they'll tell you that. But I think you're going to have a unified message. You're going to have a unified goal uh, between what your coordinator wants – what your running back slash run game coordinator wants and what your offensive line coach wants. I mean, that's that's three cooks right there that instead of off making their own special part of Sunday brunch, they're all pitching in on the same plate 
It's going to be the mother of all egg casseroles, I guess is the way to put it. And, and I think that's the big key and big difference uh, if, if you're a Nebraska fan and you want to be optimistic because there's going to be a point man, your head coach, who's an offensive line, offensive line I don't want to say guru, but uh, he, he loves it. He gets it. Uh, you have Satterfield, you have Foley, and you have Raiola. I mean, those are the eyeballs that are going to try and be perfecting uh, the recipe, so to speak, for, for Nebraska's offensive line play. And if that gets done right, Elijah, the rest of it can work. Well, and you made a point that I think is really interesting. That's the, 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 the play of true freshmen within recent years. Because I think back to 2017, and one of the big storylines that year was Brendan Hymas, the first true freshman starting tackle in Nebraska history, and since that season, 2017, five years ago, there's been three more of them with Ben Hart, with uh, Corcoran, and with Prohoshka. Three more true freshmen starting tackles. And you, you never go, had a bridge, did you? You never had a bridge. And I think back and I go, how did Nebraska football make it to 2017 without having a single true freshman starter at offensive tackle? And then the years since then, you've had three more. And it's not because college football is changing. You look around the rest of the Big Ten. And that's not the story with the other Big Ten schools, with the Michigans, Wisconsins, and Iowas of the world. And maybe Iowa would have made an exception this year if Caden Proctor would have come to Iowa. But alas, that's not happening. So just look around the rest of the Big Ten. That doesn't happen. Now Nebraska's had four within six seasons of true freshmen starting offensive tackles. And that's not college football changing. That's not NIL. That's not any different talent coming. That's just what Nebraska has along the offensive line, not being up to snuff. And you look this year and you go, well, at least the, the offensive linemen that Nebraska brought in as true freshmen, at least you would hope, are not going to have to be thrust into duty with what Nebraska has. You have some guys ahead of them that can at least give them some time to develop, and I'm not going to call next year's offensive line a stopgap because that's a little bit offensive, I think, to the mm-hmm. next year's offensive line. It's a whole season, but I, I'm, I'm convinced that this, off, or this coaching staff knows that this offensive line is not in its final form just yet. So it's coaching these guys up to be what they can be, wait for the freshmen that you've brought in to develop up a little bit, make next year good enough where they're you know not the worst in the Big Ten as they've been over the past couple of years. Get them to that middle-of-the-road offensive line in the Big Ten, and that's good enough to have a successful offense within the Big Ten, in my opinion. Now, they, they want to have a true power-rushing attack, that pro style. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to reach its final form next season because of what you have along the offensive line, but I think that offensive line has enough talent to at least be a middle-of-the-road average Big Ten offensive line, which should be good enough to get you to a bowl game, and that shouldn't be as hard at Nebraska as some coaches have made it look over the past couple of years. How much lab time can you get with those offensive linemen from a mentality standpoint and a physicality standpoint where they can get some work done, get confident, get the reps down, get sprinkled in to get some playing time, but not be leaned upon to be forced to go stop a a Von Miller. We talked to our dear friend Searles a lot, and he's – he was still a redshirt freshman. He still had a year, right, of, of okay, there's, there's Sue lining up across from you, just as, a, as an example, right? That probably wasn't a lot of fun, but it was probably pretty useful by the time it was, it was time for Searles to get some, some time. But think about it. I mean, Nick Gates, Hymas, I mean, go down the list of guys that either were promised early playing time or were the best option because of lack of development or recruiting misses or, or whatever or injury. And you just had this succession of, well, let's go with the young guy because maybe he's better than what we got and there's been very little development time or maybe the guy just didn't live up to, to branding and then you get thrown in. You never have a chance to get your feet underneath you, so to speak and just get better it's just 
uh, lesson after lesson every Saturday where you're you're a problem or you're not up to snuff yet, and that's okay uh, because you shouldn't be playing, but you are. Uh, let's hear a little bit here from Coach Satterfield uh, as we get rolling here this morning on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. And let's uh, get his take on uh, Raiola here. The um, comments he made uh, regarding Raiola, the, uh, the offensive line, and uh, some of the improvements. Let's start there. Cut eight. We'll get into the development phase here, but improvements. Uh, we, we just talked about what can be maybe for year one, and we know where it needs to start, and that's the offensive line. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think receiver is a spot that, that we need to build. You know, we've got some good receivers. I just think that we need to build the depth there and the, uh, you know, different types of receivers. You know, you don't want them all to look the same and be the same. You need different, you know, different types of body types and stuff. So I think just, you know, filling some needs there and, I think we did a really nice job of that. Uh, you know, really fired up about the class we have coming in uh, from the first signing day. And I think that we can continue to do that this month. So that was receivers, uh, specifically some of the uh, areas of improvement. How about development and uh, the importance of development? Nebraska's not had that ability to, to hit pause, so to speak, and let some guys just kind of bake in the oven. It's the same mindset as Coach Rule, just development and not being stubborn in a bad way, but just continuing to believe in what we believe in and continuing to coach. And, uh, you know, I think just watching Spencer Rattler, uh, just his development, how he played at the end of the year was just a, just a culmination of hard work that started from last spring all the way through the season. And, uh, you know, if you do that and you trust that and you – you know, you just keep developing, keep coaching. You're going to end up playing well at the right time, which is at the end of the season. So a lot's been written and made here of, of Marcus Satterfield. We'll go back uh, and and just kind of set the, the tone here a little bit with uh, the pro-style offense and the, the fullback, the, those words, fullback, right? <laughs> that word fullback and how Nebraska fans smile about it, but uh, – Satterfield laid out yesterday afternoon just his his vision and that vision also being one with not only Coach Raiola but uh, for sure Matt Rule. We're going to be a pro style offense. Like we actually get in a huddle, which is kind of taboo these days. Like we're going to get in a huddle and call football plays, and uh, we're going to use tight ends, and we're going to use a fullback, and we're going to we're going to you know run the football. We understand to be successful in the Big Ten, you've got to be able to run the football because you're going to play late in the season. In some interesting weather games, and you can't just throw the ball, you know, all over the field. So, uh, I see that. You know, we're starting from the standpoint of just being the physicality and playing good, clean football. And uh, I think that, you know, we're off to a good start with our recruiting. More from Coach Sanderfield. Uh, that is the pro-style offense, the fullbacks, and uh, here's how the offense can fit in the Big Ten. I mean, I think it's perfect, to be honest with you, just from a standpoint of, like, we are a little bit old school. Like, we're going to run the football. Like, everything's going to be, you know, start with winning the line of scrimmage and running the ball. You know, all the different throws and play actions and stuff come off of running the football. So I think in order to win in this league, you got to be tough. you got to be blue-collar, and you got to run the football, and you got to win the line of scrimmage, and that's where our offense starts. You know, I look at the Big Ten as a blue-collar, tough league, full of tough guys, you know, playing tough games. It seems like every game's a 
one or two score game every single Saturday, whether you're at home or whether you're away. So I think that that's, uh, that's the way you got to play. And I think that's a recipe for, you know, when you ultimately want to get to where we're going, you know, where we're going to be winning championships, you've got to play that style. I mean, very few people have won, you know, national championships, championships doing it the other way. That offensive mindset here before we get uh, Coach Sanderfield's comments on Donnie Raiola, but uh, what that mentality needs to be for Nebraska moving forward in the Big Ten and uh, just in the world of college football. You see two tough-nosed football teams set to go on Monday, TCU uh, out of the Big 12. Doesn't feel real Big 12. I know they're fast and flying around, but they, they feel a little bit more physical to me on the on the lines of scrimmage and then of course georgia and their pro style well especially tcu on, on defense with what yes. they, with what they do with their front seven their entire front seven not just the d line it's the entire front seven they fly around their physical offensively it goes through duggan but i mean yes physicality is, is mm. definitely emphasized with that tcu program well when i think of nebraska i think of hard work blue collar chip on their shoulder midwest tough 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 kids and uh you know, a coach we talked to that used to coach here gave us some great advice, like, you know, build your line of scrimmage with Nebraska kids and they'll die for Nebraska. And that's what I kind of – I've adopted in my mindset, and that's what I think that, you know, is going to be a good recipe for us to have success on offense. Finally, let's hear from Coach Satterfield on Donnie Raiola. And uh, Ryan chimes in from the Mountain Time Zone. Ryan, good morning. Uh, Brando, good morning to you too, partner. Thanks for checking us out this uh, this morning here on the weekend edition of Hale Varsity. But uh, Donnie Raiola, because that's – Elijah, that's been the kind of the the, the wow uh, so far is, huh, Raiola got retained. Huh, wow. But there, there's a method to it, and it was really pretty fascinating to hear that conversation and to have Satterfield become a Raiola guy and then go to rule with what he wanted. You hear coaches talk about, and Bill Bush was great at this, and Coach Darlington's talked about it with this, where if you love a guy, you jump on the table for him, right? Can you imagine this in your mind's eye where there's some coach in a conference room, uh, khakis, Adidas, you know how coaches dress and look, and they're jumping up and down on top of a table. It's it's the opposite of Bill's Mafia doing the uh, parking lot dive onto uh, to the pull out fold out table. This is your giant oak uh, full room length table that you would imagine in the conference room, right? And there's this coach jumping up on the table screaming for his guy. Well, that's that's what happened here with Rayola and and Satterfield. I love him. Uh, you know when you when you come and you you know you you're taking a new job. There's all those weird situations with former you know the coaches that are on the staff. Are they going to stay? Or are they going to be kept? Uh, I met with him uh, with every intention of not liking him. You know because you're a new guy, you've got in your brain like, hey, I want to bring this guy, this guy, this guy. And I spent about 30 to 35 minutes with him and just fell in love with him. Like just his teaching method, his mindset, his uh, commitment to player development, his commitment to Nebraska, the passion he spoke about when he talked about Nebraska and how important it was to him. And uh, I went to coach. Coach was like, do we want to you know, go down this road? I was like, 100%. I stayed on coach for you know, two days. Like, don't drag your feet. Let's, let's keep this guy. This is my guy. I want this guy. So uh, excited to have him. And he's going to help us do some really good things. Pretty good backstory right there. Uh, the explanation from Coach Satterfield. We'll hear from Tony White uh, next hour and Brandon Vogel in a bit. Rewind coming up. 
Weekend edition is here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. can uh, watch us live here, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, ESPN, Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter, and, of course, Hale Varsity Radio's Twitter as well, at HVarsity Radio. Rewind coming up with Coach Gary Barnett. It's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by Currency. <laughs> 